Turn in your Bibles to the first book in the Bible. And we're going to start there. I'm going to do things a little differently this morning. I'm going to read the entire passage, all of the scripture that we're going to be using for this entire series. So let's ask God's presence and his anointing upon his word as we go forth. Father, in Jesus' name, I step aside. This is your pulpit. You have your way. You touch hearts and minds and lives. That as we leave here today, we will be touched. That we'll, our, our spirit man will be encouraged. And that we'll make decisions in our heart and in our minds to go forth. We thank you, Lord, and we trust you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image, the first reference of the Trinity, in our image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say in my image. He said in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creation that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Chapter 2, one chapter over, verse 15, Genesis 2. Verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man, the man, Adam. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it avad in Hebrew. That word means to toil and to till and to plow. And to take care of it. That word sharon in Hebrew means to take care, means to protect and to, and to guard over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, the man Adam, and he said, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now go to the next chapter, chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 4. We're going to start there. Genesis 3. Now, listen, well, actually, it started in in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty. That word there means cunning and secretly conniving, okay? Then any, actually translated literally means naked, but any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I'm going to come back to that. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say that? And then Eve says stuff that God didn't even say. Now, verse 4. The devil, the serpent, says, You will not surely die, he said to to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye... And for food, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and, and he ate of it. Now, skip with me down to verse 14. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock and all the wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your heel, and you will strike his heel. Of course, a, ta- a shadow and type of, of Jesus who's going to be born. All right? Now, turn with me to chapter 4. I'm sorry, go to, go to chapter 3, verse 21. So... They sinned, and verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them with this skin. I want you to catch these ingredients because we're going to put them all together in a second. Now, chapter 4 of Genesis. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 is the story of Cain and Abel, the first two children. All right? Two sons. You had Cain, you had Abel, and they came to worship the Lord by giving offerings. And Cain brought offerings, says some of the fruit from the field. He was an agricultural guy. Abel brought the fatty portions of some of his livestock, the fatty portions, okay? And it says that the Lord looked at favor. I'm just going to tell you the story. The Lord looked at favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain's offering, it says he did not look at favor. And Cain became very, very angry. He became upset. It says his face was downcast. Now listen to what the Lord God tells Cain. Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, now listen, church, sin is crouching, hiding, waiting at your door, and it desires to have you. But you must Master it. Now, turn with me all the way across the Bible into the New Testament to the book of Romans. Very famous scripture in the Roman road. Chapter 3, verse 23. Romans 3, 23. And we all just, we we always cut it in half, but I'm going to read the entire scripture. There is no difference. Now say it with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. So let's say it again. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now turn over a few more chapters to chapter 6, another famous scripture from the Roman Road. 6.23 and 6.23 says this. I'm in the wrong chapter here. I know what it says though. 6.23 says, for the wages of sin... What? For the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now go to 1 John, all the way further in the New Testament. And if you don't have your Bible or your computer device in your hand, you can look up on the screens. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Now listen to this. This is the Apostle John 
who is speaking about this same subject because as today you have certain people who are, who are, who are saying uh, that, that as Christians that we don't sin and, that we, and, and all that. But he was addressing that wrong doctrine here. Now listen to what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, we fool ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, listen to this, church. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him, God, out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we just saw that man was created. And one of the first things they teach you in the Old Testament survey in Bible college is this. That you had seven days in the creation account. The seventh day was the Sabbath, the day of rest that the Lord stopped. On the sixth day, man was created, us, created on the sixth day. Man, us, we're the crown of God's creation is how it's referred to by theologians. The crown of creation is us, okay? We were were the only things that are created that are created in the image of God and given dominion over all other creation. So we are made in the image of God. In the likeness of us, we will make man and woman. We just read it a while ago. So we're the only ones, the crown of creation made in his image. And in our first moral choice, in our first conscious choice, decision, of integrity, of morality, of spirituality. In our first crossroads of choice, we fell. First one. Now, there's a big argument about, oh, you know, Adam and Eve, and Eve made us all fall, and it's your fault. And Adam, in that scripture, if you read it in that passage, he actually blames Eve. He says, God, it's that woman you gave me. She made me. But the reality is, if that's why I read it so clearly, God spoke to Adam about the trees in the garden, not Eve. He spoke to the man, and then after that, Eve is created. So, guys, it's our responsibility, not theirs. Okay, I don't know if he miscommunicated what God said to Eve, or I don't know what happened, but God spoke it to Adam, okay? And the first crossroads, the first choice, we fell, okay? And it ushered in a very serious problem, a sin problem, okay? Now, we call it original sin, right? But really, sin wasn't original to mankind. No, no. Sin was original to the devil, to Beelzebub, to Satan, because he was a fallen angel, a created being, created to serve God in heaven. And he rebelled because he wanted to have his own kingdom. He wanted people to follow him in his kingdom instead of the kingdom of light. He wanted them to follow into the kingdom of darkness And he rebelled against God, and he fell. He was cast out from heaven. 
So it's not really original sin with us. It's really original with the devil. You can look in 2 Peter 2.4, and that verifies that about fallen angels, okay? But because the devil was a mere created being, something that was created by the creator, okay? You have the creator and you have creation. So he was created. So there's nothing original in him. So the first thing he started doing was imitating God. He started, he's a cheap imitation of anything that's good. He's known as the imitator. He's known as the deceiver, the liar, the thief, the killer, the tempter, and the accuser because he accuses the brethren 24 hours a day. Now, in the Garden of Eden, we just read, he revealed his nature and his character to Eve. When he manifested his presence as a serpent. Okay, now notice what he does in the scripture we just said. He lies about God to Eve and he lies about God's nature to Eve. Telling Eve wrong things, false things about God. He deceives Adam and Eve and he leads them into pride. You will be as God knowing, oh, I'll be as God and I will know. Well, that was pretty presumptuous of them, wasn't it? Well, don't be too hard on Adam and Eve because every time we take the ball in our own command and we take our lives in our own command, we are playing God just like Adam and Eve. So be aware of that. Don't be too hard on them, okay? We do the same thing in our lives all the time. He steals their peace. He steals their joy and their fellowship with God because later in that passage, they're walking in the garden and they hear God coming and they're hiding from God. And he ushers in the first sin and death. Death. He steals from them their original purpose, their original time, because they were created to fellowship with God in the garden forever and ever and ever. Now notice, just as we said that sin was not original to man, okay? Well, temptation, okay, is seen here also in its original form, this temptation. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. But just briefly, there's a lie, there's a deception, there's a misrepresentation here, there's an imitation of the real thing, there's a bait that is put before them in the soulish realm or the carnal realm, if you'll notice, and that's where they fell. Now, how many times have I told this church that your battle, your battle is, we, we, we fight a spiritual battle, but the attack comes in what realm? In the soulish realm, in the mind, will, and emotions, okay? That's where the devil's going to try to get you, through your mind, through your will, and through your emotions, and, through, and then through the, the carnal area in our bodies, in those lustful areas in, in our body, okay, in the flesh, all right? And so that's what happened here. And he ushered in this problem. So, y'all know the expression, Houston, we have a problem. Y'all remember that with space shuttles? Houston, we have a problem, a sin problem. Everybody say with me right now. Say, I have a problem, a sin problem. Let's say it again. I have a problem, a sin problem, every one of us. Thank you. Now, if you notice, this revelation... For those of you here who are are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, who have given your life to the Lord Jesus, this whole situation ushers in something that was never experienced before, but also 
you have to understand that until you have a revelation that you have a sin problem, you will not have a revelation that you need a Savior. Because if you think you're all right, which is where I was, Mr. Good, Goody Two-Shoes, you can ask June, that, that uh, I, I thought I was okay. I mean, I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't done this. I hadn't done that, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm a pretty good old boy, all right? I'm good old boy syndrome, all right? But until you have a revelation that you have a sin problem, you don't have a revelation that you need a Savior to save you from that sin problem. Is that correct? So it is the basis of our Christian walk. And all of us sin. We just read that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we say, well, okay, I, I've got a problem. Well, the only answer to that problem stands in Jesus Christ, is, is, is based in Jesus Christ and the blood and the cross, and we sang about it this morning. And we're going to talk about that on Easter morning. This is a three-part series. Today is the reason for sin. Next Sunday is the result of sin. And the Sunday on Easter Sunday is the rescue from sin. Okay, so don't miss that and invite all your family because they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the word sin, the word sin is hemorrhagia or hemorrhagia, however you pronounce it. It means literally missing the mark. Like you aim at a target and you completely miss it or with an arrow and you aim and you just, I mean, you're, you're, you don't even hit the target. You miss the mark. But in the book of John in the New Testament, it means something else in the Greek. It means the concrete and willful wrongdoing where you know and you're willfully doing wrong, Okay as in Romans 3.25. It means also there in the New Testament an act of willful disobedience to the divine law of God found in the Ten Commandments and found in the Scripture telling us what to do in the divine law where you disobey it, okay? Now, sin can be a lifestyle. How many of you know that? It's leading a, a, a sinful lifestyle, okay? It can be a whole lifestyle, the way you're, you're, you're living, Okay? It can be a one-time occurrence. It can be some horrific type of sin that you're inflicting horrible punishment on innocent people. It can be those small foxes that spoil, that spoil the vine. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those little bitty things, you know? And it can become a reality in two ways, whether you act it out or whether you think it. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Have you heard it said... Uh, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in your heart. So you don't just have to act something out. You can even have it in your heart, okay? So you have all kinds of sins, and, it, sins and, it's, and it's us, man, because we like to take the spotlight off of our sins, so we put it on his sin or her sin or his sin, and we say his is worse than mine. You know, that one is worse than my sin, and I categorize it over here because it is really terrible. Now, don't get me wrong. Certain sins do have repercussions. Certain sins do have certain uh, things that they carry with them, okay, if you would. And that's called the consequence of sin, all right? You got that? The consequence of sin. And that consequence, although you're forgiven, the consequence doesn't go away, all right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like saying, I'm going to go over here and everything. Well, if you get your arm broken or get shot or something like that, and you're out sinning, and there's someone chasing you because you sin and you get shot, the bullet's not going to go away. I don't think God's going to heal you for something like that. You're going to have to heal on your own. The consequence is there. Are you with me? But the forgiveness is there, and you're forgiven for that sin. But we like to categorize it, don't we? We like to say, oh, those no good for nothings. You know, and in reality, when you do that, your sin is worse than their sin because not only have you sinned, but you're judging them. 
And it's going to come right back on you. So you want to be careful about that. There's also this argument that here in the last few years I've dealt with two or three times with people about whether we are saints or sinners. Have you all ever heard that? We're the saints of God. There's a hundred and something references in the Bible of us being the saints of God. That means sanctified ones. I'm not talking about the canonized saints in, in the Catholic faith. I'm talking about saints, us, the, can, the, the, the sanctified ones, the called out ones, okay, uh, of Jesus Christ, who, the believers in Jesus Christ, the saints of God, or sinners. Are we saints or are we sinners? Okay, because we are saints when we accept the blood of Jesus Christ, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, and we enter into the light instead of the darkness, and we become saints in, in that context, okay? But at the same token, we've just read that we are sinners doomed to a fiery hell without the cross of Jesus Christ. So are we saints or are we sinners? And the answer is yes. I'm not trying to be clever. It's just the truth. Yes, yes. We are saints that sin. You got this. Okay, I'm clearing up some theology before we go in, into the points or anything further. We are saints that sin. You got it? Say, I'm a saint that sins. Say, well, I'm a saint now and I'll never sin. Where well, you're calling God a liar, that's what 1 John says. Don't come tell me that you don't sin. Don't come tell me you're not going to sin again. Don't come tell me you haven't sinned. Because I may sin and just hit you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so the answer is yes. All right? We are saints who sin. Now, Satan has a plan here, if you notice. There was a strategy here. What is that strategy? Well, the first thing, the first point I want to make is part of that strategy, and it is that his strategy is to get you and me into pride and into rebellion. Did God really say you must not eat from that tree? Did he really say that? Oh, you will not surely die. God knows when you eat that your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And he wants to get you to rebel against what God told you to do. He wants you to, he wants you to do the, the, the opposite. He wants you to head in the other direction. He wants you to do just that, to be in disobedience and unbelief and rebellion. Now, let me tell you all something that Proverbs 16, 18 says. We misquote it all the time. We say pride comes before the fall. Actually, it says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay, you got that? Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. They're in there. There's a, there's a law of order in the Bible. They're in the same proverb because they're cousins. And so you could rightfully say pride comes before the fall. Okay, but you can slip in there a haughty spirit because have you noticed people who are prideful tend to pretty much have a haughty spirit, correct? So you got pride, you got a haughty spirit, and get ready, you're fixing to fall. Have you noticed in life that rebellion always follows pride? Always. I'm giving you a rule here, I'm giving you a principle. Rebellion always follows pride, and with pride always comes a fall destruction and a fall. Now listen, your enemy knows that if he can get you to think that you're equal to God, you're on God's level and you can make your own decisions and you can make your own plans and you can go your own way and do your own thing. And if he can get you to do that, he knows that it's just a matter of time. You will fall. Rebellion, self-reliance, disobedience, strong-willed, people, okay, you will fall. 
Satan's plan also is to get you away from God, alone, by yourself, and away from his word, away from his precepts and his principles and his love letter and his direction, his textbook, his rule book to you. And if he can get you away from that, as he did Adam and Eve there, and get you to misquote it, misunderstand it, and everything else, he knows that he's got you, and that it's just sooner or later that you will be in sin, okay? Did you notice there how much they misquoted? I mean, poor Eve, where did she get that? And he, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says, and if you touch it, I mean, that's, that's nowhere. Where did they get that? I mean, God didn't say that. And, and our enemy knows that if we can misquote it and not know the word, that, that we're in trouble, okay? And let me share something with y'all. That's how cults are started. Did y'all know that? A cult. This is how they start cults. They take one or two scriptures and they twist them and they bend them and they turn them. They take even a little portion of one scripture. And then they start an entire theology, an entire belief system on that one scripture. And then before you know it, you've got people who are walking in error. Okay? And it's too late. They're following error. They're following the devil. Okay? They take the word, and we do this ourselves sometimes, and we turn it and we twist it until it meets our carnal thinking. It soothes our flesh. And then before you know it, you're in trouble, okay? And then in verse 8 through 10, Adam and Eve hid from God, like I said, because their innocence was stripped away, and the shame of their sin was revealed to them. They now attempt to hide their nakedness. And, of course, God says, how did you know? Who told you that you were naked? And, of course, again, like I told you, Adam says, it's that woman. Okay, so we had our first marriage problem right there, right? He's blaming poor Eve for something that was his responsibility, correct? Now, ladies, I'm not trying to make points for brownies or food from y'all. I'm just telling you that's a fact, okay, that, guys, it, it it was our fault originally, okay? And our enemy wants us cut off from our relationship with God. Our enemy wants us entrenched into legalism, into religious legalism. I'm going to talk more about that next week. I don't want to preach too much on that because I want you to understand religious legalism. And we'll talk about that next week. Our enemy wants us so strictly following a set of rules that we have no relationship with Jesus Christ, with our Lord and Savior, okay? He wants us in legalism and religion, and we'll talk about that next week, okay? Now, thirdly, what's part of Satan's plan? He wants you not only to, to, uh, to do those two things, to get you in pride and rebellion and to get you away from God, but he also wants to get you to pass it down to your children. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to tell you the story and read it to you. You don't, you don't have to follow it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, okay, Adam and Eve are exiled from the garden. And we talked about it a little while ago. They got two sons, Cain and Abel. Now, they both bring their offerings. Uh, Cain is all upset because God doesn't look with, you know, smiling on his face when he brings an offering that he knows he shouldn't be bringing to the Lord. Okay? And God says, why are you so downcast? He said, if you do what's right, it'll be accepted and you'll be accepted. If you don't do what's right, sin will be crouching, waiting to get you, and it desires to have you. Now, these two young men are children of Adam and Eve, the first two children. Right after that, Cain is so upset, they're out in the field, and he kills, he murders his own brother. And that's when God says, listen, in verse 10, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, now, 
you are under a curse and you're driven from this land. Now listen carefully what you have here because you're getting a a Bible college course here. Listen carefully. I want you to grasp this because it goes through the entire Bible, these principles. Go through the entire Bible, okay? This is the second entry of sin. Actually, third, you have the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, who rebels. So that's the first one. Really, the second one was Adam and Eve. And here's the third one, the entry of sin. He murders his brother. I mean, you know, I wish I could tell you the third sin was like stealing a candy bar or something, but it was murder, okay? He murdered his brother, okay? And it is the first recording of inherited sin or generational curse, if you would. Have you all ever heard about that, generational curses that are passed down? Well, this inherited sin was part of an inherited nature that's called our, now listen, church, it's called our sin nature, correct? So we have our sin nature that we have inherited from our great, 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 great grandparents, and their name is who? Adam and Eve, okay? So we have a sin nature, all right? Now, how many of you in here understand that generational curses do not... That's just some props for after a while. Y'all don't, don't worry. Everything's cool. Uh, how many of you know that, that, that your children do not have to inherit? They do not have to have passed down to them generational curses. You don't, they don't have to. They don't have to fall in that line in the, in the, in the statistics that show that, that 80, 90% of, and we heard it last week from Brother Russell and, and Miss Christine, the high percentage of children who, who have parents who are incarcerated, these children end up in prison also. That doesn't have to happen. You can break those curses. You can break it in, in divorce. You can break it in alcoholism. You can break it in drug addiction. You can break it in pornography. You can break it off of your children, okay? How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come next week and come the following week, and we're going to really start hammering and going in that direction, okay, to show you how this is broken off of your life and how you can tap into that, okay? So we have this sin nature that these two sons have inherited, and one of them lives it out by murdering his brother. Now, this sin nature, let's talk a second about that. Turn with me to the book of Romans. I, w- I want to share something with you there. I'm going to read in, in Romans 7, 14 first. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to this, what the apostle Paul says, speaking about this sin nature. Listen carefully. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Captured in bondage, in slavery to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Have you ever wondered that? It's like, why am I doing this? I hate doing this. I feel terrible after I do this. Why? What's the deal here? What's going on? Well, listen. Listen to what Paul says. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Okay? Because the law is like a, like a schoolmaster, like a, a ruler, like a standard for you to look at. We will never achieve all the law. We have all broken the law, and we will never achieve it 100%, okay? As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. He's talking about that sin nature. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my, there it is, what does your Bible say? Sinful nature. Correct? 
For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. It's like, okay, okay, hold on here. I, I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is what? Sin living in me that does it. Now look at chapter 8, verse 1. Now, now here's, here's a little good news. 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, capital S, the Holy Spirit, the third person of, of, of God, the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that, it was weakened by the what? Sinful nature. Yours may say flesh. The sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful, what? Nature, but according to the Spirit. To the Spirit. I'm going to stop there. And we'll go on next week more about that because I'm going to talk more about that. But Now listen to me. L- listen, church. Listen to me. As believers in Jesus Christ, if you can get this revelation... If you could, I mean, how much guilt have we walked around with? How much turmoil? How much, how much just breaking heart and, 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 and moments and hours we thought about how horrible we were and I'll never be forgiven. And, and I'm the grunge of the earth. I'm the trashiest thing walking the face of the earth. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. Is it just me who has thought that in the past? Come on, we all have. And that, that's, that's the devil whispering in your ear. But as believers in Christ Jesus, okay, our nature is changed when we are born again. We are born again into a Christ-like nature. From the Adamic nature, the sinful nature, the, the nature of Adam, it's called the Adamic nature, into a Christ-like nature. Okay, now does that mean we won't sin again? No, the attack is always on. But we are born again. Okay, are you a born again Christian? Raise your hand if you're a born again Christian. You are born again. Look at verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the, capital S, spirit, right? The spirit, Paul says. And if the spirit of God lives in you, in you, He's in you, okay? Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. As believers in Christ, guess what? This is the good news, guys. We do not have to bow down to the sin nature. For the nature of Jesus Christ now lives in us through the Holy Spirit of God, all right? And then some more good news. Although we're still sinners, we shouldn't see ourselves as slaves to an uncontrollable sin nature. How many times have all of us walked around and saying, I'll never get over that? I mean, June, it's like I'm try- I've tried for 30 years and I just can't get over that. 
every time it comes in front of me, it controls me. Have you been there? Every time it comes around, I, I, I stumble again. I lose it. I, I, it's done every time. I know it's there. I know it's my weakest point, and I know it's going to happen again, and I know I'm going to fall. How many times have we walked around? How often do we think that in our minds? And that is not the truth. You do not have to see yourself as a slave to an uncontrollable sin nature. Look at what Paul says. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. Now, how many of you in here understand that slaves are in bondage? They're under the control of an outside force, and they have to submit to an authority or to a power, to a force that's controlling them. That's what slavery means. You're not free. You're in bondage. You're under control, okay? Now, our question today is this. It's a real simple question, church. Listen carefully. Who or what is controlling you? Who or what is controlling you? Am I a slave to sin or am I a son to God? Like I just read, like Paul said. Am I a slave to sin or am I a son to God? You do not have to see yourself as a slave to some uncontrollable sin, uncontrollable sinful nature because you are a son or a daughter of God and there is life and there is freedom in the cross and in the blood. Let me share with you quickly some facts about sin. Here, here, here's some facts about sin. Number one, and, and they're just going to throw them up there. Follow quickly because I, I want to get to our little illustration here. First of all, sin is hiding and waiting to catch you unaware and unexpectedly. James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot tempt me by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one of us, each one of you, is tempted when by his own evil desires. Say with me, own evil desires. He's dragged away and enticed. You know what enticed means? Enticed means tempted, baited. Then after desire has conceived, after it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is full grown, it gives birth to to death. Now, what can start as a small, unhealthy, unrighteous desire can grow and grow and grow until you are a slave to it, to it, until it controls you. And then it drags you away from God. It drags you away from the fellowship of the saints. For do not forsake the fellowship, as some are used to doing. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews. And it drags you away from accountability. It drags you away from the Word of God. And then it's got you. And as June and I heard by Robert Morris the other night, all of a sudden you're doing something that's totally uncharacteristic for you. You're doing something that you would not do normally because you have been enticed. You have been dragged away because of your own evil desires. And then before you know it, it's got you. Do you realize that's the whole basis of pornography? Do you realize that pornography is so sneaky 
And it's just one little picture. It's one little thing. But in, in, in the person who's watching it, in their mind, they're living out that pornography. They're living out an act with that person that they're watching in that pornography. And then before you know it, it's like a movie reel that's playing in their mind. And that movie reel starts playing. And then before you know it, it's got them. And they're acting out. They're living out that movie. Secondly, it wants to keep you as long as possible to create as much damage as possible. Come on, think about it. It wants to keep you in that sin. Thirdly, it will disguise itself as an angel of light. That's a good thing sometimes. Fourthly, it's got a cousin. That cousin is called compromise, those little foxes, those little bitty things. How many of you have done your taxes recently? Come on. All, all of these people over here must be innocent. Y'all must all have fudged a little bit on your taxes. Okay, these are the little foxes, all right? Those little bitty things. Oh, nobody else. That's just $5. Uh, y'all catching this, okay? I mean, it's compromise. Fifthly, sin wants you believing you're okay like I thought. You know, I'm okay. I'm a good old boy. There's nothing wrong with that. I haven't hurt anybody. Everything's all right. I was a sinner condemned to a fiery hell and didn't know it because I was, did not know Jesus Christ. And then lastly, it doesn't have to be action. There are sins of commission and omission, Okay? There are sins of commission and omission. Now, I want to show y'all something. I, w- I want to show y'all a little, a little deal. Y'all bring all that stuff up here, guys, quickly as you can, okay? I, I want to show y'all some stuff. Y- y'all stay with me here, okay? Thank you, brother. Can, can you get that weird little spray for me? And y'all stay here with me, okay? I want to show y'all something. Could you hand me the boxes? I'm going to go through this first. I love to go catch fish. We went this week, I'm my brother, and we caught some fish. Right? Not big ones. Well, almost big ones, but I caught a little bitty one. But this is some bait. I want to show you all some stuff. I want to to talk to you all here a second about temptation. And I want you all to understand something, okay? You all see this? This is a rig that's set up for redfish or for specks, okay? I have a kayak. I've taken up kayaking, all right? It's fun. First redfish I ever caught was last fall in a kayak, and it was pulling the kayak. They call that a Cajun sleigh ride. I'm serious. That redfish was pulling, pulling me in the kayak. I got so excited, I almost fell out the kayak. Can you all see these two baits on here, what they look like from back there? Can you all see them? Y'all can't see them? Can you see that, Brother Dwayne? What does that look like? Shrimp. It's got little yellow eyes, doesn't it? It's got those little whiskers. Look how the tail, how it jiggles. Can you all see the tail jiggling back there? Y'all need some binoculars to see it? Okay. Looks just like a shrimp, doesn't it? It's real. This is actually called a voodoo shrimp. You see? That even adds to the illustration. It's evil. Okay? Voodoo shrimp. All right? Now, does this look like a shrimp to you, Brother Dennis? Yes, it does. It does, doesn't it? Does this look, Brother Wayne, a shrimp to you? Okay? Spray me, spray me just a little bit of that on there. I want you all to know what this stuff is right here. It says, yeah, you got to turn it. It says on there, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Brother Dennis, you got it now. Now, okay, whoa, that's good. Okay, now, now, read, let me, let me show, let me, let me read this, what it says on here. This says fish attractant. Boy, it does stink. Fish attractant makes, makes, Dennis, shower time when you get home. Makes any bait or dentist taste and smell alive. Brother, you alive. Now, I want you to smell this one here, Brother Dwayne. 
Just smell it. Just, just smell it. What does that smell like? Shrimp. Old shrimp. Doesn't it? Old shrimp. So smell this one. What does that one smell like? Old shrimp. Old shrimp. All right. Now, when you cast this out for the fish, you are trying to catch fish. Now, I'm not going to cast this out at y'all. All right. And when you cast this out at fish, and you have this thing, and you're popping this, that's, that's a particular kind of bait that you pop, and it goes poop, poop in the water. And as you're reeling it in, if you can see, these things even swim just like fish. They have eyes, little whiskers, and they even smell like fish. I mean, shrimp. And so you have a redfish. This is filet mignon for a redfish, right? I am trying to catch a fish, to hook a fish. Now, y'all can't see the back of this shrimp, but they can. Tell them what's on each one of those, Brother Dwayne. A hook. A very sharp, big, ugly hook with a barb in it that you can't get away when you catch the fish. Are you following me? Now... Show them what will happen, how sharp that thing is with that balloon right there. What's going to happen if you, if you catch that, that hook? He's, not, he's, his, he's afraid of that smell is what it is. <laughs> okay, now, now, this is very sharp hook right here. Now, once I've got that fish, I'm trying to catch that fish with this, and I'm trying to put him in my ice chest, not so I can put him in an aquarium. Would you hold this breath? I want to eat him. I want to kill him. I want to devour him. I want him to be in my stomach. I'm not in love with that fish. Look how attractive and bright this is. Look at that big hook underneath here. The whole premise of all of these baits are exactly what we just read about Adam and Eve. Now, quickly, could you get all this stuff out of there? And y'all hold those two ducks up. Yeah, you can. All right. Y'all hold up these ducks. I want y'all to understand this. I want you to never forget this. I wish actually we had all the children in here so they could, so they could see this, okay? This is a handmade duck call by Mr. Al Thibodeau. And he's, he's really good. Now, y'all hold the ducks up. Now, these ducks right here... Hold on one second on the call. These ducks, you have 150 to 250 of them in a pond that's maybe an acre big. All right? They're floating around with strings and weights on them, and the water's hitting them and the winds, and they look just like ducks. How many duck hunters do we have in here? Okay? This is my shotgun, by the way. All right? <laughs> now, these ducks right here are, are, are what they're called what? Decoys. What does decoy mean? They're not real, all right? They fake. They look like real ducks, okay? Now, you see some ducks flying overhead, and you start, and Dwayne's going to give a rendition too, but, and I'm not that good a caller, but you hear the duck guys in the blinds, they're going, <laughs> Y'all getting this? Okay? That's what ducks sound like. Have you ever heard a duck? That's, I mean, I'm not that good, but that's what they sound like. Okay? Now, 
That noise with ducks flying way, way, way overhead, they're coming in. And when they're coming in, you got your cap on, you're sitting in the blind, you got your, your twice barrel here, and these ducks are coming in. For those of you who have never been duck hunting, you're waiting, and you're down like this, and all of a sudden someone says, go. And you raise up your shotgun. When you raise up your shotgun, the real ducks are seeing the fake ducks. They're hearing this sound, and when they're coming down, they're coming down to land with the other ducks, and you raise up and you raise your shotgun, and you see some real ducks, and their eyes are this big. Have you ever seen that, Doug Hunters? And all of a sudden, they're trying to fly backwards. And that's when you unload on them. Boom, 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 boom. And they're in the pot. And then you have dead duck. Now, I want you to say with me, I am a duck. <laughs> because the devil wants you lured in and hooked. The devil wants you seeing when it's too late. You're staring at a shotgun of sin. He wants you in his game bag. And my friends, that's all temptation is. It's something that appears good and something that it seems like it's something that's good for you and it's not. It's misrepresenting God's word. It's tempting you in the flesh, and then you latch on, just like that fish, just like that duck. And then before you know it, it's got you. Now, let me tell you the good part of this story. You say, man, you depressed us now. We're a bunch of ducks. We're going to all be in the, in the pot roasting. Here's the good news, and we're going to continue this in two weeks to come, okay? First of all, there's no temptation you cannot bear. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Also, you, now listen, listen, church, this one's important. This, this one's right from the throne room to us, okay? You choose to sin, so you can choose to not sin. Come on. We are agents of free will. You choose to sin, so you can choose not to sin. And then here's the last one. Listen carefully. One round is not the whole fight. This is the good God news. One round is not the whole fight. One round is not the whole fight. One round is not the whole fight. Normally there's 12 rounds in a heavyweight fight. In the old days they went forever until somebody fell. They go 26 rounds. 22 rounds, bare-fisted. But one round is not the whole fight, church. And the heavyweight champion of the universe lives 
in us. The heavyweight champion of the universe who knocked the devil completely out of the sky and into the great abyss. Scripture says, looked like a streak of lightning he was hit so hard. So if you fell yesterday or if you fall this afternoon or if you fall tomorrow, one round does not make the whole fight. I've seen many times. Look at Rocky. It's a Rocky story. How many of you sinned this week? You got some hands? You better raise them. How many of you think there's a possibility you might sin at some point when you leave here today between town next Sunday? You got feet and hands? You ought to be raising them all. But one round does not make the whole fight. I remember a couple of times in my life when I've turned to June, we even went and visited someone one time, and I said, oh my God, I feel horrible. I feel terrible. I'm so dead. One round doesn't make the fight. Pick yourself up and say, I am a blood-bought child of God. And my ticket says I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I can say in the name of Jesus, I am a saint of God. Yes, I've sinned, but I walk under the cover and the blood of Calvary. And Father, in Jesus' name, please forgive me. Forgive me. And in an instant, you're forgiven. The minute it comes out of your heart, no longer remembered, no longer seen, you're forgiven. Come on, church, say it with me. One round doesn't make the fight. We have victory. We just sang it over sin and death through Christ Jesus on the cross. And if you walk in condemnation and if you walk in guilt and this horrible feeling, then you have annihilated the cross. You've done away with the work of Calvary. And I'm sure it grieves the heart of God and the Holy Spirit. And we have the heavyweight champion of the universe in our corner saying get up go get them again get up watch for this watch for that watch hold that left up hold it up Daniel hold it up hold that left up hold it up because he's going to come at you and he's going to come at you and that's your weak point you know he's going to come at you He's trying to get you. Hold it up, Daniel. And go get him, my boy. Go get him, son. One round doesn't make the fight, church. 
Who walked in here today feeling pretty bad? Say, oh my God, he's preaching about sin. Told you we should have gone to another church. How many of you dealt this week and in the last few months and the last years about issues in your life and, and, and those sins that you can't get victory, those things? How many of you have had to deal? Come on, raise your hand. Let's be honest. I have. Say it with me. If you raise your hand, say it with me. Say, one round does not make the fight. The heavyweight champion of the universe lives in me. And he's in my corner. And he's... He's raising me up, and he's saying, Marshall, go get him. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, brother. Go get him. Come on. Go get him. Go get him. Hold that left up. Watch for this. Watch that. Everything else. This is where you're messing up. But go ahead. Go get him because you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm with you. I'm in you. Now, if you raise your hand, stand right now. If you walked in here and you're... You, you have that. You've been dealing with it. You have issues, and you're still dealing with them. You stand right now. You stand, because today's your day. This is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice, be glad in it. We're going to get set free today. We're going to get set free from those lies. We're going to get set free from those small foxes that want to spoil the vine. We're going to get set free from those things that tend to creep up on you. When you're not holding that left, man, that right hook comes in and it levels you. Come on. Who wants to be free? What the sun sets free is free indeed. in here feels like you've inherited a generational curse from your family, from your mother, from your father, from your grandparents, from an aunt, from an uncle. Who, who's inherited a generation? Who wants that broken off of your life? You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay, church, don't walk out of here with us and, you know, I should have gone. You know, June, I should have, oh, I should have gone, June. Why? Why didn't you? No, 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 no. That's that's called that's that's called foolishness. That's foolishness. Come on, come on. If you need prayer, you come this way. Come this way, and we're gonna deal with that. We're gonna break all that off of you. We're gonna stand with you. You come. You be brave enough to say, "Hey, I got things I need prayer about. I have issues I need prayer." You say, come on. Start walking this direction. These men here, right? Y'all come. Y'all come. Say, I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. Come. Don't walk that way. You come this direction. Come up here, church, if that's you. Don't, don't sit there. Don't stand there. Come deal with it. Because if you deal with it, you're free. If you don't deal with it, I don't Come on now. Any generational curses? Parents who handed down to you problems. Parents who were mean and ugly and abused you verbally. You need that broken off of you, church. 
child whose parents has, has gone through three or four divorces and you're having problems now in your home. You don't want your children inheriting that. Come this way, church. Anyone in here brave enough and honest enough, any man in here to say, I have been dealing with pornography all my life? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of I worked, on the, I worked on the railroad for 24 years. We invented pornography. I had to break that off of my life. Y'all pray with me. If you're not, if you're standing, just stretch your hand out in this direction. Stretch your hand out in this direction. And let's pray together right now. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray together, Lord God, I lay hands on my brothers and sisters. And Lord God, we claim victory in their minds and in their lives that these things are broken off of them in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we take authority over things that were handed down, generational curses, anger, addictions, lusts that are uncontrollable, mind games that are constantly, negativity, rejection, depression. Come on, we got people in here that are depressed. Have you ever been depressed? If someone said Christians don't get depressed, don't believe them. It's not true. Come on. Come this direction. Let's pray right now. We take authority over depression in the name of Jesus. Cannot have us. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And the heavyweight champion of the universe lives in me. Come on, say it with me. Lives in me. And I am victorious in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for my brother, Lord God. Totally complete freedom in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that everything, Lord God, for me in June is broken off of us. Generational curses broken off of me in June. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Any doors that we open, Lord, we cast those demons out right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, anything inherited in the name of Jesus, anything handed down, is gone right now in Jesus' name. Come on, pray with us. Pray in English. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in French. Pray with us. Come on. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you, Lord. Oh, Thank you, Lord God, for these two young ladies brave enough to say, I want freedom. For he who lives in me is stronger than he who lives in the world. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord. Now, all the rest of you out there, I want you to do something. I know we're going a little bit late. Hold hands with somebody. I want you to grab somebody's hand. Grab somebody's hand. Touch somebody. Touch somebody. Touch somebody. Grab somebody's hand. Grab somebody's hand. Grab somebody's hand. And I want you to say this. I want you to speak this. Say, I am free from the clutches of sin by the blood of the Lamb. 
and the word of my testimony. I have victory in my life. And I take authority over all demonic forces in Jesus' name. Amen.